everyone, welcome to another episode of What Do We Know? Um, it's me, Sundas, hosting this one because I love hosting. <laughs> Today's topic that we've chosen for this episode is... Hi guys! <laughs> <laughs> so Sundas is the solo host for the episode. Sorry, I forgot. Not like you have two co-hosts <laughs> or anything. Oh wow. Wow, <laughs> she literally just glazed over that. <laughs> Okay, let me start that one again. So, completely forgot that I host this podcast with two other people. So, just bringing them onto the show. Um, Aruja, do you want to say hi? Hi, guys. Manifa. Hi, everyone. No thanks to Sundas, of course. I had to remind her that we exist. And it's not like we're not sitting right in front of her. <laughs> wow. Okay, great. Now we've got everyone said, everyone said hello. Everyone happy? Yes. Anyone? Yes. Did I forget anyone? No? There's okay, maybe. cool. Okay, so in this episode, um, our topic of discussion is mental health. I was uh, slightly apprehensive to do this topic so early on, only because I personally feel like I lack awareness and understanding about mental health. But then after I kind of looked into this topic, actually, it's quite common that people lack awareness. So I thought, well, let's start with what we can with mental health and see what we know. So we're going to cover a couple of things in this session, I guess you know just to kind of put mental health in context um, it's huge a lot of kind of organizations a lot of workplaces are now really putting mental health and people's mental health as a prime focus and kind of making sure that you know there's a space for people to speak about their problems be open about their problems and of course whilst it's all great that they're opening up these kind of avenues the actual issue itself is it's difficult for the person that goes through it mm-hmm. um, and you know the stats are quite alarming but nothing that we haven't heard of. We know that World Health Organization states that one in five people suffer from mental health disorder, which is huge. 20% of the world's population suffers from a mental health disorder in their lifetime. That is substantial. That's billions of people around the world that are suffering at some point in their life or just throughout their life. So there is actually a reason why I wanted to cover mental health, even though I I still feel like I lack quite a bit of awareness about it and maybe understanding. I've only recently found out about this I don't know if it's taken place in previous years but um, I I came across the NHS site around mental health because obviously that's the first place I wanted to kind of read about mental health and what's kind of out there for patients in the UK Mm -hmm. and actually what they're doing each month is focused around raising awareness on a particular mental health disorder Mm -hmm. um, and they're going to try to tackle the stigma around it as well. So January is focused around um, seeing seasonal affective disorder so January blues raising awareness um, on that so February when this episode releases is focused around young people's mental health and of course if so each month has a different specific mental health disorder that they try to raise awareness for and of oh wow quick one is this a new initiative that they brought out I'm this year I'm not quite sure although it's kind of laid out quite clearly on the site that they tackle. I don't think it's which... new actually because I just remembered last year in January I heard the term January blues at that's work that's just normal yeah. January blues is normal as well oh okay I thought this yeah. was part of like the third so each month they you know there might be stress i know loneliness okay. is in december oh, really? we tackled it in 
January. Um, <laughs> I really so. didn't know that there was themes. Yeah, yeah so each month is dedicated to common like that, and though. difficult mental health issues, but it's mainly about raising awareness, which is happening a lot more now, but mostly kind of tackling the stigma around it. So let's get started. Keep it light. I guess I want to ask you guys the question, how often do you think about your mental health? over to you guys so how often do I think about my own mental health I feel like truth be told probably not that often and like when I say that I mean consciously actually sitting there and thinking what is my like what is my mental health like Mm -hmm. you know is it in a good place am I not in a good place and I don't know I feel like it's strange for me to answer that question because I feel like I only really think about how I'm feeling when I'm feeling down So when you have negative emotions, that's when you kind of take a step back and think, right, I'm really stressed about something or I'm really down or I'm really upset about something. And you address that or maybe you don't address it, but you notice it more because it's when it brings your mood down. And, you know, if I ever get like that, that's when I maybe do take a minute or kind of reflect on, you know what, I'm not feeling great. I need to kind of do something about it or what's causing this in the first place. But I feel like I don't ever really fully just maybe I don't coin it as mental health, thinking about my mental health. Maybe Mm -hmm. I just coin it as I'm feeling sad today. Why am I feeling sad or something might have happened? And yeah, it's crazy, actually, because you're making me reflect on it right now as I'm speaking. Yeah. And I think another point I think I would add is that on this topic of mental health and on this topic of actually reflecting on it personally, I think mindfulness also comes into it and actually creating that space in your mind to just be aware of how things are in your life and how you feel. So what emotions you're going through and how you're doing, basically. I think it's just it's generally good to keep yourself in check and obviously be aware and be emotionally attuned to yourself to be able to say, actually, I haven't been well for the past few weeks. Like physically, you might be completely fine, but... But mentally, you might not have realized it because you're not giving yourself that you're not creating that space in your mind to be like, actually, something's a bit off. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, just checking in whether you feel happiness or sadness, because I think with mental health, it's not just feeling sad. It's also checking in on when you're feeling happy as well in those moments. I think I think for me, it isn't just narrowed down to happiness or sadness. I think it encompasses any emotion that a human can feel. Yeah. And just keeping a balance of that. What about you, Manny? It's interesting. I think I'll touch on what Ruj said. But to begin with, when I think of mental health, I guess mental health to me is just anything that affects my emotional, psychological or, or social well-being well-being and so when I think about that and when I think about the way mental health is coined and termed in today's age like the way we spread awareness about mental health today versus like 20 years ago it wasn't very common back in those days nobody really spoke about it but what I feel like there's a distinction between back in the day and today is that people recognize that there are mental health problems and disorders and illnesses that people can have but personally speaking I think a lot of people in this day and age do confuse just normal human behavior normal human emotion to mental health disorders and the reason why I want to mention that is because sometimes for example I will have bad days and I will have sad days and that is just simply a reaction to a normal human thing and I do consider that just being normal so this is actually one example like when I go to work and I have to give a presentation I do get really nervous and really anxious my heart starts racing I get sweaty and I know that's probably just normal to everyone because a lot of people get like anxious before they present but some people would consider that as a mental health problem but I just consider that as a reaction to something I feel 
feel uncomfortable with and that isn't something that I need to concern hmm. myself with or worry myself about I don't think I need help That's to make thing. myself feel better about presenting because hmm. I can overcome that by trying out different things by making myself feel calm by drinking water by slowing down how I speak there's so many ways I can go about addressing that without saying that this is a mental health problem and I know that sounds like a very blurred line because where does that line lie then and for me I think I guess when an emotion or when a feeling becomes very intense or when it becomes consistent over a period of time or yeah. amplified yeah. is when it becomes a disorder Absolutely. and personally I feel like I am able to proactively understand how I feel and so as a result of that I have rarely really experienced bad emotion so when I say that I also mean of course I go through negative things I go through negative things every day or every year or every month like everyone goes through ups and downs it could be somebody it could be something someone said or the way someone looked at me it can be something more serious like death in your family or people that you love not being there but that is just a reaction to something that's a normal human thing and that's why I don't consider it as if it's something that I need to consider mental health because it's just something I'm going through as a result of being a human being and that distinction between something being a disorder and something being an illness versus something being a reaction to normal human life is where I find that there's a bit of an imbalance uh, that's kind of what I find hard to define okay. where that line lies that's so I don't know really if I answered your question no I mean it's not about answering my question it's yeah. about what how you feel about it and yeah. you made some really valid points and actually when I was reading around mental health it does point out the fact that mental health doesn't always have to be those obvious disorders that we've always known about mm -hmm. so disorders like schizophrenia bipolar and even then people are always on a spectrum so you know whilst you don't talk about your anxiety that you get when you do a presentation mm -hmm. because it's not an ongoing thing it just happens in a very specific environment doesn't mm -hmm. it's it's not to say that it's a, on the spectrum of very severe mental health I think so, it's interesting though it, because sometimes because of the fact that now that can be seen as a disorder or something can be heightened as a result of that people can make themselves feel like they're experiencing yeah. something yeah. when it's actually just a normal reaction mm -hmm. and you can overcome that yourself most of it is about being proactive mm -hmm. rather yeah. than being reactive but I think what you said which is quite interesting is is that I think it becomes considered as mental health personally or for each individual when you're feeling that emotion consistently. I think yeah. it's about how if it's something that you're experiencing again and again and again and it's not going away and yeah. it's making you feel worse, then surely something's wrong. But if it's something that happens, okay, when you're about to present or when you're, it's, I think it's context. Yeah. That's why and a lot of emotion that people experience, they just confuse it. And yeah. I do think it's confused a lot. It is confusing though. The whole, I think so what just, mental health is to people. Yeah. yeah. To answer my own question, how often do I think about my own mental health? A bit like a rouge. I not often at all. Not mm -hmm. enough. I think I do neglect health quite a bit, but just because I I think I've got a good way of coping with the small kind of you know day to day anxiety and all of that stuff. I I think the best way that I cope with things is just to isolate myself. You know, some people really like to go and talk to people and mm -hmm. really talk out their problems, and and that's what works for them. But for me, when I'm really anxious about something, I'm really stressed about something, but I just isolate myself because I think that's just the best way to cope with it. That doesn't work for everyone. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that would probably say, actually, maybe that's not the best way of coping. I'm I'm the kind of person I would that, agree with that. That's exactly wallows how in I her own self-pity. Yeah. And then I will kind of crawl out when I'm ready to be my normal self again. Yeah. So my next question is, how often do you hear about people speaking about mental health? Hmm. I feel like I've definitely heard it more over the recent years than I would have like a few years ago. I think if you compare it to like the time when 
we were probably at school or something I don't think I heard of mental health that much maybe because I was a kid but um, I definitely think that there is much more of an emphasis on it there's a lot of people talking about it I think especially in the digital age that we're living in especially in you know the fact that everyone has access to everything and news is everywhere and celebrities and influence and just yeah it's definitely a topic that's everywhere so we're exposed to these kind of conversations and these perceptions and people's experiences on mental health and definitely hear it more often than we used I think that, like Aruj said, I definitely do think it's come up more recently. The awareness and the way that companies want to do more for their employees and schools want to do more for their students. And Mm. it's something that's spoken much more today. And I appreciate that. I fully appreciate that. I think mental health disorders or illnesses or problems that people face that I can't even imagine what they go through. Because Mm. I think the distinction between physical and mental is that at least with physical, most of the time, you know, and you can see it or you can feel it and it's different and people are aware of that but the mental aspect of that is you can completely nobody can completely know like you could completely not tell anyone and they would not know that you're going through something and that's the scary thing about it like sometimes you might be battling with something by yourself and feel like you have no one to go to and no one to turn to and in situations like that this is why mental health awareness is so crucial yeah because those people really need people to talk to or support to get through what they're going through or they need help like they need actual something to help them to get out of this situation that they're in and for those people I fully think that it's 100% so important to talk about it and to bring awareness in the workplace in the in schools in education everywhere mm-hmm. yeah. but having said that I do think that in in bringing awareness to mental health people that need it that should be targeted are probably not as targeted as much because you don't know who's going through something and yeah. even if you try to raise awareness what if someone still doesn't feel comfortable what if somebody is battling something and you might be talking about it in the workplace because it's something you need to talk about but really is someone going to go to you like you mentioned before is somebody just going to go to a random stranger and speak to them about how they feel sometimes I just feel like how do we track or measure how successful this awareness is going how do we measure that like how how is it measured I guess and that's interesting to think about hmm. because I feel like yeah it's good to be proactive and it's good to be is being or showing awareness is still better than doing nothing yeah but it's just how much impact is it having how much impact is it is it having and is it reaching the people that it needs to reach yeah i feel like that there's isn't no, happening as I feel much. Like there's no kind of data to quantitative or qualitative way to ever measure that though mm. that's interesting i'm that's, i didn't i didn't think of that actually i think it's important when i thought to, about this yeah i think it's a point definitely crucial to raise awareness but sometimes i think people really confuse them how far are you going with people it as confuse well? human emotion with mental health disorders and but they might they people would argue that they are linked so your disorders make you physically emotionally and socially behave in a certain way that exhibits that you are going through a mental health disorder. But in that respect, so let's say... I never knew I was going through something but I was going through something but I always knew how to deal with it I wouldn't consider that as a mental health problem Yeah, but, but that's that, because of yeah. my personality mm-hmm. that's because of your my definition is who well. I am so sometimes I feel like when we put all of this mental health awareness out there people think about things too much that they make themselves believe that they're going through something that they actually may not mm-hmm. and as a result of that that might have a negative effect on those people that actually are going through it and then as a result, don't get the advice or support that they need. I know it sounds really confusing the way I'm saying this, but it's just that I do think the people that really need it 
are definitely not getting it as much as they should. Yeah. And more can be done, but yeah. I don't know how. Okay, interesting. So to answer my own question, what I've realized about seeing people go through mental health disorders, I have a couple of friends that have suffered from body dysmorphia and I've seen firsthand how that affects someone. Wow. Um, and I've also got friends that go through depression quite quite a bit as well. When you see it, you start to think about it a bit more and you, it's a very hard thing to advise people on when yeah. they're going through yeah, it. Absolutely. It's very difficult. And sometimes mm -hmm. it's really sad as well because you think you know someone and in that moment when you feel like you'd be the most helpful person, you're the most helpless person to them. And it also alarms me about the people in their life that don't even know that this individual is going through something. You're in a place of being confidential about this information, but kind of the closest are the ones that aren't able to help. And it, I think there's a sad reality to it as well, because I've seen how these friends are quite close to me, but I think they're also aware that it's something that's never really going to, it's never going to go away for them because, you know, have they, have they even reached the root to their problem? Probably not. And again, it, it's always them trying to find a way to cope. Yeah. And, and that's one of the biggest issues I think around, um, mental health disorder is how do you cope in today's society how do you just cope at work how do you cope in just mainstream culture community and actually you'd be really surprised about how many people suffer around you and you have no idea Good actually point. I wanted to mention um only because obviously I I just mentioned about friends that I you know I reach out to because I know they go through things and there's quite an obvious one that I want to mention publicly a few people take to their kind of social media platform to speak about mental health and obviously notably Hussein Manavar. he's one that I kind of follow um, and I really kind of applaud him for his mm -hmm. advocacy around mental health especially because it's so close and personal to him he's yeah, he is literally grieving um, the death of his mother on a platform so I think his spoken words are so incredible yeah even when you can't relate you can feel the emotion and what he's going through it's a big thing that someone is able to do that on a platform to strangers and people openly publicly and not feel vulnerable about it I don't know because I don't know him personally but I just think about him because I know when I when I see my friends suffer it they suffer it in silence mm -hmm. and so to suffer it and be vulnerable to people out out there in the world I think that's a, a huge it's very brave it's really brave and I also find the work that he's doing around trying to push for education around mental health is huge part of getting schools getting the curriculum and education on board with stuff like this yeah um kind of my brief experience of working in a school you would be really surprised about how they deal with mental health now this isn't mainstream but i'm talking about schools that probably need the support the most individual students that have a particular you know a lot of a lot of our kind of young people are diagnosed with disorders and different spectrums autism mm -hmm. there's so much complexity around it as well um that these particular students actually get government funding to support them to get the right professionals in to support them i mean i i could go into detail but i'm going to say this quite briefly they will actually get extra government funding but what you tend to find is that these sadly these students are a form of commodity in a school so because school senior like leaders so you're whether you have a, a board that governs your school or whether the local council does they get to decide where that money goes so it doesn't always necessarily go towards that student what? 
yeah. and the support that they get. And I've seen this firsthand. So, but the origin of that money should be allocated. The origin of that money is for that particular student in that school to be offered professional support, if it's a one-to-one mentor Did not know that. or a counsellor to come in or someone that can be qualified professional to help them. And there's funding there mm-hmm. to support them. And I remember this time. And so when I briefly worked in a school, this kid that was in our school and he had a combination of disorders, very intelligent kid, but he just wasn't able to integrate into mainstream classrooms and work with his peer group. And he, in my eyes, would have had quite a lot of funding. So yeah. he, he had a clinical diagnosis. And we'd often hear from the inclusion team, which is kind of the support team that helps those that kind of need the extra support. Whilst he's got a lot of money, the senior management isn't supporting us with that money to enable him to have the correct professional carer in this school to help him. Wow, that's quite... And so that's it so got wrong. to a point where his mum was... Obviously, she was a lot more clued on and she knew that her, her child wasn't getting the support that he needed. So she came into school to say, well, I'm taking my child out and I'm going to take him to another school. And then senior management just tried and tried so hard to keep hold of that kid. Then this mother knew that they do not care unless I start you know, throwing my toys at the pram and saying that I'm going to take my child out. That's when I get the attention. That's when they book in meetings. And eventually she just got so sick of it that she said, this is his last term and that I'm going to, I'm taking him out. I'm going to put him into another school where the care is what he needs. Exactly. And a lot of pressure from the senior management then came onto the inclusion team to start picking up support from anywhere they could from the school for this particular child. So suddenly he had mentors following following him around to prove to the mother that, you know, we are trying to take care of this situation and addressing the situation. But, but were they just doing that to keep the funding? They wanted to keep that child because he he had such a high price tag on him. That's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. So actually, I just, I just wanted to give you some insight that it's not that schools don't have the funding for it it's those that have control of the funding and how they distribute it because I don't think they're not really checked on in terms of what kind of provisions have you put in in place for them they might do but not into the detail of knowing the school that I worked in they would have just said we've got the inclusion team this senior person that heads the inclusion team is the direct report for this child and Ofsted would tick that off as adequate does that make sense so there's no there's no accountability to where exactly every penny of that child's um, support need coming from the government is going to I think I've explained that well but I just wanted to give you some insight that That's you know crazy I did not know I, I actually didn't know that much about yeah school funding and school funding it's, um, it especially when it comes to children you'd think that they'd want to give the funding off the school to that child whether they were given funding or not but it's the opposite where they've given individual funding for this child and yet it's still not given no. to that child that is really messed up and I would that's that's so sad because it's not even about anybody except the people that make that decision yeah going back to Hussein Hussein Minora. it's great that he's advocating for mental health to be part of education and actually going back to the NHS promoting a particular mental health each month they've also got school Programs. materials and stuff for teachers to kind of Very take good. away so there's stuff out there it's just about implementing it so yeah we, we know that there's a lot of awareness going on around mental health and a lot of people are trying to put the word out there trying to encourage people to come forward if they feel that they need to speak to someone but what do you think is really holding them back what is the barrier why and what is the stigma around mental health and if you've seen it you've heard it if you feel it tell me okay um i just think when it comes to really personal things so whether it's something in your mind or whether it's something you're going through whether it's something that's personally affecting your life for me personally i 
don't even like to speak about those things. Mm. I like to keep it within me and not because I can't deal with it. I feel like I can deal with myself the most and the yeah. best. I either write about it mm. or I read about it or I reflect on it, but I feel like I can help myself the most. But having said that, there will be other people that don't know how to help themselves, but also don't know how to talk to other people. And I think because it's such a personal thing and maybe saying it out loud might sound really ridiculous to people that don't understand it, for example. And as a result of that, they might just not want to speak about it. And the stigma kind of comes because I guess back in the day, it was suppressed. It was a taboo, wasn't it? It wasn't something mm-hmm. that we spoke about. So normally, like depression wasn't a thing. It was just like, oh, stop, just and get over it. it. Exactly, right? So wow. over time, we've realized that this is a real thing people go through and have to deal with and at no fault of themselves. And they need help to get through that. And I think the fact that it's personal and the fact that people don't like to speak about it hugely affects the stigma. Mm-hmm. So the reason why people don't like to speak about it is because it's so personal yeah. and who to trust yeah. when it comes to something like that. Because yeah, you are at your most vulnerable, I guess. Exactly. It's the yeah. vulnerability that you wouldn't get, for example, in physical health because people understand that more. But I feel you like can't with the mind, it. yeah, because it yeah. is your mind, isn't it? Yeah. It's what you're feeling inside and it's how much of that can you, like even mm-hmm. psychologists and doctors, like, yes, they've studied the mind, they've studied emotions and all of this, but it's every single person is different. Mm. Yeah, I really like what you said, actually. And I agree with that. I think adding on to Manny's point as well, I think the only other thing I'd have to add to why there is a huge stigma around mental health is earlier on in the episode, we spoke about the blurred lines between what mental health, what is actually defined as mental health. And I think that is a big factor in it because I think step one in acknowledging something and actually seeing whether you have it or you don't have it. One thing that might be classed as mental health for one person might not be a mental health issue for someone else. Mm -hmm. So it's that blurred line. I think there's also a stigma around talking about mental health as well because people are scared or people are just... It's such a big topic and it's such a sensitive thing that maybe people don't want to talk about it or they're not comfortable talking about it. And it just comes down to the individual and down to the personal feelings that a person has. So my final question, what are your views about mental health in young people and especially with the likes of social media being so huge and so integrated in every single person's life so I think when I think about the way social media has affected people I guess I know you're talking about young people but I'm just going to talk about people in general there is such a thing like research and experiments have shown that there is such a thing as social media addiction whatever that may mean it affects around 5% of young people and was recently described as potentially even more addictive than smoking and I guess alcohol and so that's really interesting I think the reason why people find it so addictive it's that whole instant gratification it's like a hit of dopamine people like your post you feel good and you keep having the addiction of feeling like that again and again and again and I understand the science behind it I understand why people will feel a certain way when they get liked or when people online like their presence it makes sense that it can be an addiction but when I think about it affecting young people and when I think about it affecting people in general I think it's more concerning when it affects young people because you're less yourself so you're less control of yourself you're more everything affects you more when you're younger whereas when you're older you're more control of who you are and the way things affect you will be different and so yeah it is quite concerning the way it can affect young people because I think it can negatively affect young people much worse than us for example Mm -hmm. and having said all of that I do want to say that there is also a line there I think I know an addiction is something that we can't control and it's something that you're doing too much of something and it's supposedly something out of your control 
control but actually people that go through addictions can get out of them by going through therapy or rehab or different ways of being able to help themselves get out of this addiction and the way things trigger different people will be different so for instance someone can have like their first glass of beer and be addicted by it because they're so hooked on it and another person can just drink moderately and where does that definition or where does that boundary lie between people like why does one person get addicted to someone versus one person not getting addicted to something and that's something I guess is just something that is unique to that individual but the reason why I bring that up is because what my point was is that it is about the person so like Mm -hmm. when you know that something has a more of a negative effect on you you need to be proactive in trying to understand that off yourself you need to be proactive to think I know how bad of an effect this can have off me and so I can't let myself spiral into that downward spiral and so I think it's something that we need to put inside of ourselves we blame or we we want too much of other people or we blame social media or the platforms like Facebook Mm -hmm. and Twitter and Instagram for providing a service that we're hooked onto but really it should be something that we proactively decide on our control over exactly and when we give the control over to them we're saying we have no control over ourselves and our body but really it is just an app it is just something you can delete off your phone you can stop using and I know I know that's easier said than done I know that's not exactly the way people would want to go about it but what I'm trying to say is instead of putting the blame or putting the responsibility on somebody else put it on yourself because then it will make you have more ownership of your time and of what can affect you and the reason why I say the whole proactive thing is because I know that for example with me I find it so hard to moderately let's say let's talk about food here right because I know um (laughs) there's something that I can relate to but when I'm eating really unhealthy for example when I'm having like a really bad week I know that I don't have it in me to just moderately eat healthy like I can't have a day where I'm just eating really well and then have one chocolate bar because I know that one chocolate bar will trigger off a really downward spiral even though I'm overcoming that in this day and age much more but back in the day I knew that I couldn't do that so to to resist that to proactively eat healthier I had to just cut it out altogether and that was my way of dealing with it because that's the only way I could have and I know that doesn't work for everyone but you have to see and you have to proactively understand what works for you because it is something you're facing and it will be individual too it will be case by case basis and that's kind of what I want to put out there like Mm. I think young people is more concerning because how can they control themselves when they don't know who they are and they're much more impressionable exactly everything affects them much more and so I wouldn't really know how to answer that or how to make it better for them but for people like that are much older they have the I would like to think they have the responsibility of being able to put down their phone when they know that they should put it down I think it's self-control as well it's actually being able to say to yourself actually I am addicted or I am spending too much time on a certain social platform or certain form of social media and then proact- like you're saying proactively actually take the step to control yeah. it really and I'm not trying to and like, it's not easy yeah and by saying that I don't want to belittle addiction because I know how massive of a thing that is I know that it's something out of your control at times but I'm trying to say once you do get that help and once you strike getting better at trying to fix what you're going through you have to be proactive after that it doesn't just go away like yeah. once you start using social media again things can come back and they will crop up change of lifestyle exactly you have to be proactive in helping yourself help yourself yeah helping others you have to be proactive in letting others help yourself Mm -hmm. that's how i think about it amazing but when it affects young people that is a sticky one it is quite hard actually because when i thought about this question i thought obviously you've asked you know around young people and mental health but also bringing in social media i feel like those are two things that they do go hand in hand in the society and like we're in 2020 now we're in like the world we live in social media is never going away it's only going to develop and look how 
in the past, I mean, let's look at back at the past decade, in the past two decades, how much has developed. Like social media didn't even exist 20 years ago. How insane is it that we live in such a connected world where we can see someone else's life and they, you know, they might not even live in the same country as us. And everything is just so exposed and so out there. And do you know what? There are so many positives as well. I don't want to just sit here and just like completely talk and, and negatively. that's not what we're doing. Of, of course. It's something that is a service as as you can call it like you bring something for people to use and there's so many advantages to it yeah. to become creative to be innovative mm-hmm. to advance yourself that then in turn has a a negative effect with the users yeah and especially young people. especially when it starts to change what society looks like yeah, yeah. absolutely so but i think kids on the playground it's now kids nowhere to be seen which might not actually kids be a bad with idea iPhones. like come on look yeah. at look at when we were in year seven and year eight i didn't i had a nokia i had like a brick you know what's funny we quite literally had a phone to phone to out. make phone calls yeah. literally. which is it funny was, i only had like for my emergencies my mum and dad's number back to my Sorry. point what i'm saying is that like so much has changed and with that obviously social media has evolved and young people have like will have evolved and in that there is no kind of stopping change and stopping the development of the world but it's how we move as a society with it and how we teach young people and how we teach children around us and I do think like Manny said it is a bit of a sticky one and I can't sit here and be like yeah I have a solution and like I know what I'd say about this but yeah. I think one thing I would like to take and carry on from what Manny was saying is that our decisions make us what we are and the mm. way we interact with things is completely on us it's my choice to go on Instagram and follow set follow the people that I follow. It's my choice to go on YouTube and watch videos that I want to watch. Mm-hmm. It's completely our own choices to do whatever we want with social media. So I think it's it's on us. There's a note that I wrote down and I definitely want to mention it is that surely there must be a correlation between if you think about the rise of social media over the years and then this rise in conversation around mental health. Surely there's a correlation there of how much mental health and mental health issues have increased alongside the increase of social media. Mm-hmm, and the example that comes to my mind with that is this example of, let's just take Instagram. The way looking look. at someone's life, someone who has projected what they choose to of themselves mm-hmm. onto this platform. You follow them, you interact with them, you might not interact with them, but you still see the content they put out there. And, you know, you could be someone like me who just looks at stuff and it's aesthetic and it's lovely and it's nice. But I do feel like I have gone off that aspect of social media and looking at everything all the time. But you could also be the kind of person who sees stuff and there's everyone feels different emotions and I definitely think that this portrayal of people's lives on Instagram and portrayal of this perfection and this this so many amazing different things that people are doing which is probably true but I feel like Instagram is a snapshot of someone's life I think it's a different kind of reality it's, yeah um, and that absolutely it's a filtered reality it's, filtered, it's what you absolutely. want to show people it's not and your it, personal it, yeah. days it's not your bad days it's people, not your pe- yeah people often say that nobody posts a bad day yeah it's they true yeah, but then why picture. is it on that person it's on the other no, person no it's not on the understand. person yeah. but it's on it's on the people that take it in and how they obviously how it affects mm. them that, yeah. like that's where the connection to mental health comes in it but I think because you talk about young people mm. and young people can't make that connection yeah not because they're hard. stupid or anything but because they're younger <laughs> as they're a still result developing. exactly yeah. and I think if I was to have had Instagram at a younger age and if, if it was there when I was in my teens it would have affected me much more Bebo yeah Bebo Bebo was Bebo. the one yeah, we, we have three Bebo. likes a day <laughs> 
Me used to three hearts. Each other. <laughs> you had three hearts to give out to people every day. I just changed my emotions on MySpace. Okay. That's all I remember. Uh, wasn't it listening to music a thing on MySpace? Yeah. MySpace, MySpace was, yeah. was good fun. You That's actually literally the only platform song I had. On, a, on, your, on your page. Yeah. yeah. So everyone used to just listen to I loved it back in the day. Those version. social media platforms were actually really cool because there were so many of them. Yeah. There was MySpace, there? Bebo, Tumblr. Tumblr's a dark one. I wanted to cover this, but I don't think we're going to have a... Because when I came across Tumblr, perfect, pretty, yeah, yeah. Tum- yeah. But Tumblr had a very dark side to people that suffer with body dysmorphia. There was a huge culture of pro-anorexia sites that used to get taken down. I used to binge watch these documentaries, Whoa. and I think Tumblr was a crazy dark kind of platform. Yeah, I d- I definitely understand the pretty side of it. Yeah. There was a lot of images, and it always used to look very really aesthetic. It was like, it was actually it was. Instagram, but just you'd see it on a desktop rather than an app. No, I wouldn't consider them the same. No, Tumblr to me was very aesthetically pleasing. It was just seeing really nice things at the right time. Whereas yeah. Instagram is about personality. It's like people's lives. It's different. Okay. It's more personable. Maybe that's mm. because I don't follow inf- influencers as much. That was actually really interesting. So, yeah, that comes to the end of uh, another episode. I won't forget to <laughs> let my co-host say goodbye. But just before we wrap up, you guys now know the drill. Follow us on our social media platforms. So Instagram, WDWK underscore podcast. And um, Twitter, guys. And Twitter. We're not selling anything other than our episodes for free. <laughs> Come along and listen. Um, last part, guys. The last part, just before we kind of completely wrap up this episode, we're just going to have a quick one minute. W- and I am going to be timing this, guys. Yeah, fine. Okay? Mine's quick. So wrap it up quickly. Yeah, mine's okay, quick. Girl. What's on your mind, Chill. guys? Starting with Manny. No, I can't go first. Okay, well, that's Starting your 60 seconds gone. Aruj. What's on my mind is that I really appreciate remote working. And do you know what? The only reason why that's <laughs> on my mind right now is because I'm working from home tomorrow. And the only reason I say nice that is... This is why I'm saying I appreciate it. Alhamdulillah. No, just in general, I think it's such a nice feature to have in a place of work and also to have that trust within your team and just have that kind of network there to be able to obviously remote work sometimes. Although I do love being in the office too. But yeah, I'm just grateful for remote for working. Remote for working? Remote Have fun working. working from home and waking up at ten. I'm gonna wake up at eight. I've got. A call. I will be. Um, I'm going to wake up at five because I've got to get to Coventry right, for this an eight thirty. Competition. We're gonna have about like quarter to six. See you at. See you on the platform. See you on the platform. See We're going know. different directions. Yeah, we but we'll still platform. be able to see each other. You know, I used to see platform. her at the platform sometimes. What for junction? Yeah, she used to wave did. at me. Anyways, see, I acknowledge you people on the streets too. Yeah, she just doesn't acknowledge us in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I see. I see the point you're making, guys. I'm sorry about that. Manny, do you know what's on your mind? Um, so guys, what is on my mind is something that I feel like is very relevant today. And I don't know why it is, but it is. And I don't know why it keeps happening to me, but it does. But what I don't understand is why people ask questions that they can just Google. Oh. And let me let me explain my point of view on this. And 50 I, seconds. Yes, girl. I don't mean questions that require an opinion like if I want to ask your perspective on something or if there's something I can ask you that is much faster than doing a quick google search then I'll ask you but there are just facts and figures out there in the world for you to research for yourself for you to take the initiative to Mm -hmm. go and check yourself why do you then feel like you have the authority to waste someone's time by asking them I'm not, I'm being fully serious right now. <laughs> I can just see the way you're face. saying it. <laughs> I'm being fully serious because 
I think I people don't you. understand when they do that, they think they're trying to be more personable and they're trying to have more interaction with you and communicate with you and understand you. And they think that maybe you like it, but actually it just shows that your lack of understanding and your lack of awareness of appreciating someone's time. Yeah. Because I mean, time is something we don't get back and to take time out of your day to ask somebody something that you could have just asked Google is just stupid. What if their phone battery died? Um, Girl. I'm obviously not talking about those edge cases. I'm talking about just day-to-day life. No, I get We you. all have our phone where we have our laptops. We have all types of devices to access. It doesn't even need to be Google. It can be any search engine like DuckDuckGo, Bing. It's probably quicker for you to find out the answer yourself than it is to go and have a conversation yeah. with someone and try and find Sometimes the answer Sometimes I them. like to just talk to you guys something about something. Sometimes I'm just being lazy though. Yeah. And that's not right either. And I'm not saying I don't do it. Of course I do it. But I try to do it less um, now that I'm acknowledging how just time wasting that is people like don't take initiative anymore they don't be proactive and just just be proactive guys it's really not that hard and i know i feel like i'm ranting a little bit no you're not i am ranting a little bit Mm -hmm. but it's just about if you are listening to this and it applies to you just think about what you ask people because that's their time and that's your time and you don't need to involve other people in things that you can do yourself be self-sufficient and google enables you to do that like use the platform it's there for a reason but the problem with google is it starts advertising loads of stuff to you so at least is what it is at least speaking to Take you will service. stop you know ads I, I, coming onto well, my platform to be honest to be fair i'll i'll promote what i want to promote as well though people speak to me i'll be like oh you know what i do i do i have a podcast do you want to listen to our podcast <laughs> but <laughs> and they get that promotion from no but honestly like ads are everywhere that's just life and yeah Okay. All I'm trying to say is let's appreciate Google more and value people's time. And while they steal our data, sell it. Um, we should well, do an episode on conspiracy it. theories. Yes. 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 Coming soon. All right, what's okay, on your guys? mind? Stealing she's, data she's, isn't conspiracy theory. No. They actually do that. <laughs> it's fact. They take your data. They take Watch your the clips. great hack. All right, all right, all right. Wow. <laughs> if you've got any questions that need to be Googled, please go straight to Manifa's Twitter page. I will be posting her Twitter handle. So please, guys, straight to her page any google questions ask your girl direct them to her okay the last one is me um and what's on my mind i just want to quickly just put it there these recording sessions take place at odd hours of the night so if you currently want to know what time we're it's 10 40 <laughs> on a tuesday night um, so whenever we working find the time. day yep yeah. so you know, don't be surprised when what's on my mind is sleep because that is literally the next thing I'm going to do. I can't wait for the weekend. I need to catch up with it as well. A lot to do. Thank you very much, guys. Hopefully we'll catch you on our next episode. Bye. Thanks. Oh, do you want to say bye, Rude? Uh, say bye. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You spoke too soon. I was getting to you, Rude. Go and say she goodbye. She was about to just sign off without... without. Just, just say bye for God's Bye, guys. Well done. Thank you. Can you just say bye? <laughs> Adios, guys. We'll see you next week. Bye, guys.